The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts and I are live in Detroit for SummerSlam. And we have some amazing guests for you on this podcast. How about this? Maybe the hottest performer right now in the WWE, L.A. Knight, joins us here on the Busted Open Podcast. Also, your Intercontinental Champion, Gunther. Finn Balor, just before his big match with Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. And also, Shayna Baszler, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. We're bringing in somebody who's part of one of the main events at SummerSlam on Saturday. And that is for the World Heavyweight Championship. And that's Finn and Seth. And we bring in Finn Balor here for a first time ever on Busted Open. Finn, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, glad to be here, boys. Can't believe it's the first time. Yeah, well, you said that and you're like, I've, I've, interv- I've talked to Sam about a dozen <laughs> times. Too many. Times. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> way too many times. <laughs> but, you know, before you, before you joined us, Sam and I were talking about you and the journey to get to this match coming up on Saturday. Obviously we were all there in Brooklyn when things went South at a time when you had so much momentum building up, but now you've built it back up to be back into one of the main events at SummerSlam. Talk about the journey and what it's like to finally be there again. Um, pretty wild journey. Obviously I feel like people remember that night at SummerSlam in Barclays a lot more than I do and like put a lot more weight into that moment than I do. Uh, for me, I kind of just picked myself up and, and moved on and uh, and tried to get on with it. Uh, I feel like people uh, maybe in the media like to make this match into like a, a full circle moment for me, but this is really just another day at the office for me. I've been doing this for a long time and then I'm going to treat this match the exact same way as I treat every match and that's go in with full focus and full dedication and then Obviously, like myself and Seth have had our issues over the years, even going back before uh, uh, that match at SummerSlam. So uh, there's nothing new with having issues with Seth. <laughs> Those kind of, Finn and Seth, that that kind of uh, situation goes hand in hand, like with issues. So um, I'm sure this won't be the last uh, run-in we have either in our career. So um, it's just another day at the office for me. That's amazing. That's where you. That's when you know you've gotten to a spot. When it's like one of the main events of SummerSlam, you're like, yep, going to work. 
Go to work. Here we go. Let's go. And that's a good point. Again, that's a good point from both of you because maybe the media does build it up more. But I look at Saturday and you know, fifty thousand fans watching this match. Does that affect you at all? all? (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) Back at your career, and you look back. Matches in the Tokyo Dome. Matches at WrestleMania. This match on Saturday. I mean, you got to look at your career and do you look back at it a little bit, even though you're still fully in it? Wow, I've accomplished a lot. No, uh, I think um, I'm always looking forward. I never look backwards and I don't think I'll ever uh, come to terms or understand fully what I've achieved. But I don't think you should like have a, a grasp of what you've achieved because you're living it in the moment and experiencing it day by day. And experiencing that grind and every step that you've went through to get to this point so you shouldn't really think oh my god i've achieved so much now it's time to hang it up no i just want to keep getting better and better and doing more and more and uh, i feel comfortable in the ring confident in the ring yes it's just another match the bell will ring and about 20 minutes later the bell will ring again and it'll be over and then i'll go to monday or whatever the next show is so like we just stay on the train, uh, keep moving forward. But again, it's it's one more match, and I've had thousands of matches in my career, so I'm not going to treat this match any different than uh, than I would, uh, you know, a house show in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think reflecting too is something that like you do when it's done. Yeah, right. And when I, it's time to tally up, like, okay, this is what the career was, but when you're in the middle of it, like you said, that's not when you start resting on your laurels. Yeah. I, I feel like the biggest uh, impact that the injury had that everyone keeps talking about seven years later uh, was the fact that that was the first time in six years that I'd had a moment to sit back and reflect on what I had done up until that point. And I thought like, well, wow, you started off just wanting to have a match and now you're undefeated universal champion that had to relinquish the title. So had a pretty good run so far. So in that moment, what I was thinking was anything that happens after this is a bonus. And now, wow. it's, and now it's seven years later wow. and I'm still like cashing these bonuses, bonuses, bonuses. <laughs> and I'm just awesome. like standing at this bonus tree that just keeps giving me bonuses of WrestleManias and SummerSlams and, and house shows and overseas tours. So I'm just grateful for every day that I have in the ring. And it seems that way too, because it feels like to me, just talking to you here face to face, that you're enjoying these moments that you're, that you yeah, understand yeah, I, it. Yeah. I think you, you're enjoying it, but it's mostly down to the fact that you've kind of stopped caring and stopped worrying so much about like where you're at or where you're trying to get and just actually live in that moment. Cause a lot of times I'm very fortunate that I've, that I've achieved a lot in my career and especially very early in my career, I consider 16 years in the business and winning the world title, that's pretty early to win the title, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been very fortunate to have achieved everything that I've ever wanted to achieve and then continue to wrestle. Not many people can do that. So I'm just having the time of my life. Like. So Dave was talking about like the amount of people that get packed into these stadiums and everything. At WrestleMania, when you're in a, a, a there's a stadium full of people here. Yeah. And this Hell in a Cell match at the height of oh, drama. Yeah. yeah gets the pause button pushed on it <laughs> well pause button for you <laughs> trust me yeah wait. my brain was going 100 miles an hour so that we can rectify this situation all right yeah is that what you're going like because you're you're also totally out of control in that moment right in the sense that you the decisions aren't 
up to you. Your head is split open. You can't unsplit it just by sheer will. Yeah, I'm having a conversation with the referee saying, no, I'm fine. It's WrestleMania. I'm fine. I've no concussion. I'm fine. And he's saying, Ferg, you've got a gusher. <laughs> like you, they're gonna stop the match. This isn't my call. They're on the radios. They're gonna stop the match. You gotta look at the talk to the doctor. So that was a whole other story. But with what happened with the doctor, I don't know if you want to get into it right now. I, mean, I don't know if you want to get into okay, it right now. So I crawl over to the edge of the cage. This is what happened, right? So you talk about hitting the pause button. There was a pause button for you guys. For us. So I so I, so I crawl over to the edge of the cage. The doctor's trying to get in the cage. You gotta remember, they gotta like open the cage, right? So it's not an easy feet right so referee eddie's opening the cage the doc comes in she goes "Ooh, that's a bad one which is not what i want the doctor to say right so then she goes i'm gonna have to staple it i said fine so then she has to go out of the cage to back around to uh, where the timekeepers is to get the medical bag then she comes back into the cage but then she realized that there's no staples in the staple gun. So then she has to go back out to get the staples and load it back up to then come back into the cage. She says, hey, you're ready for the staples? I said, yeah, just put them in. Let me go back to work. So she goes, okay, this might hurt. She goes, one. I said, that's fine. Two, three. Then she goes, she goes, ah. I go, what happened? She goes, I put it in my finger. <laughs> I said, "Can I go back to work now?" She said, uh, "Yeah, you should be fine." And we went back. To Is the adrenaline just going so hard at that point that you don't even feel these staples going in, or do you feel them? I didn't feel them. No. Wow. But, and after the match, we put fourteen in there, and only one hurt. And they said, "Hey, do you want to get numbed up and stuff?" But I was kind of in a rush to get out of there. She didn't want to be there anymore. It'd been a long day. Yeah. I said, I said, ah. So I was like, ah, it'll take 15 minutes, like for the numbing medicine to take action. I said, no, I just put them in. And only one, I swear, only one, like kind of like pinched. Wow. And it was like right down near the forehead here. Sam, they could have told me it's going to take 12 hours for it to numb. I'd be like, all right, I got 12 hours to kill. Go right ahead. I'll wait. Yeah. Uh, but, and that, as you're telling this story, there's 80,000 fans like looking at, at this happening. It's, it's insane that you're telling this story with in front of you're at WrestleMania and you're the in the stadium. Right? The yeah. demon isn't a vulnerable being. I don't know if, uh, if the camera mics picked it up or if like they'll release it on documentary, uh, like later, but I tried to stay in character as the demon. So I'm grabbing the docs and stable it. <laughs> and the medical assistant is like scared because she's like, this guy. <laughs> so I'm sure uh, we can talk to the, to the TV guys. Maybe they can get us a the clip of that. Real. Oh, the is real. And I, I, listen, I know days like today are, are super busy for you, but you taking the time out before this big match coming up on Saturday for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, this is a big one and it's one of the main event matches and thanks for taking the time to talk to us. I appreciate uh, being on and hopefully uh, you guys invite me on again soon as the new channel. Hey everyone, it's Howard Bender from the Andy Up Podcast. Every weekday, Adam Ronis and I serve you up the picks, plays, and fantasy information needed to win your bets. You know, this isn't just your average sports betting show though, for one very good reason. We won't tell you what to do unless we've already done it ourselves. That's right. We put our money where our mouths are, so we're just as invested in each bet as you are. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. I got to sit down yesterday with an exclusive interview with L.A. Knight. Yeah! You know what's, what's crazy is... <coughs> 
And I shouldn't say it's crazy because you're so hot right now. Um, you coming on to me? No. But when you're this popular, I'm sure that's happening time and time again. <laughs> uh, my boss, hey, make sure you talk about L.A. Night. Make sure you ask about L.A. Night. Make sure the theme of the show today is L.A. Night. Wow, I got a whole show theme. How does it feel? Because we just spoke to you four months ago. Yep. And here you are, and this happens organically once every 10, 15 years where an audience gets behind a performer like sure. the way they've gotten behind you. Uh, how does it feel for you knowing the journey you've taken to get here to hear those reactions from the crowd? Um, years of frustration, years of uh, being angry, annoyed, uh, being on the outside looking in, uh, and now still, still being almost reminded of those feelings, uh, but also feeling a major sense of vindication. Uh, and at the same time, it's not even necessarily that I needed anybody to cheer me. If they hated me, if they booed the hell out of me, I'm fine with that too. Because for me, it's just like zero, and I want absolute value away from zero. So whichever way we're going, I just want to move away from there. So whether it's you like me or you hate me, I'm just out there doing my thing. Some people choose to like me. Some people choose to hate me. And, uh, and, and you've been able to see that through the comments that different people made. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And that's fine. That's the, way, that's the name of this game. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's a lot of this to where, um, it, it, it brings up some of those feelings of that frustration that almost drives me more, um, because some of it is almost, and I hesitate to say this from sounding in some way arrogant, but I, I say it in more of a victorious kind of a, kind of a stance of like, I, I knew it, I knew this. Um, and, and, and even though I say victorious, I still can't take a victory lap. Like, cause I'm not there yet. I'm still, I still haven't done it yet. I'm not where I need to be, where I want to be. Which is actually helping the cause in yeah. a lot of ways because fans are like, when, now they're like, when is this going to happen? Yeah. Why hasn't this happened? Yeah. It's not if anymore. It's. When right and and it, it the, the hand is kind of being forced. Uh, there, there's yep. no way to ignore this now. Um, uh, you know, I, I I said this last week, and and not just the tagline, but for real, people have said uh, they've claimed. You know, I'm you want to be undeniable, and you know all this stuff. I, I I've I've made it that at this point. Uh, the the audience has helped make it that at this point because if they're demanding me, if they're forcing the hand, there's really. At some point, there's nothing you can do anymore, and this is a force that's kind of out of anybody's control. No matter what the decision is that was made or this, that, at some point, all right, well, here's where we are. This is the super in. And, you know, Busted Open has been covering this journey for a long time, championship wrestling from Hollywood, NWA, <coughs> TNA, Impact, and now here in the WWE. And, and I mean this as a compliment. Like, you really haven't changed like obviously you've grown physically you look phenomenal but you really are pretty much doing the same thing to win over fans on a smaller level the same way you're winning over to fans now yeah i mean there's a part of me where i get sick of hearing myself because uh, <laughs> i mean it's kind of the same core of stuff that i've been doing for the better part of a, of a decade but at the same time i got to think to myself 
I'm in front of a whole new audience that's never seen me before for the last nine to ten months. And so what I know worked in these smaller venues is going to work everywhere. It's not a regional thing. It's not a territorial thing. So if I bring that here and use that core of what got me to the dance while at the same time also evolving along the way, because there are little bits and pieces that have evolved, but at the same time I always knew like I can't change anything yet until I'm on that major stage. Once I'm on that big stage and then I start getting the ball rolling, then we can start to maybe evolve it a little bit. But until then, I just got to keep pounding the pavement with what works. And you've always had the fans on your side. Like you said, whether they're cheering you or booing you, they're always into your I character. will get something out of you. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that's just something to where I've been doing this way too long, if I'm honest. Uh, and with that in mind, it's just you, you, you pick up little little things along the way. You learn how to, how, to, how to work the people and use them just the right way to where you can get them to do whatever you're looking for. Although sometimes the issue becomes that if, if I am doing something as, as, I guess, different or creative or as verbose as I'm doing at some point, uh, they're going to continue to make the noise, but now it's going to turn in a positive direction. Even if, I mean, I've, I've gone out there and, and said the worst things about a town or a place or whatever, and still... <laughs> so so I, I think that there's just something when you see something different that kind of sets you apart from from the, the rest of the crop it's just kind of like okay well I, I gotta get on this bandwagon I, I know he said that thing about us but he's our jerk <laughs> you know what's crazy is that I talk about the fans and you've always had a connection with the fans I've interviewed you you talked about like you've been doing it so long you annoy yourself I probably am annoying to you because I've interviewed you a dozen times over the last 15 I years. I don't even remember what your name is, so I forgot about <laughs> you now. <laughs> so every time I've interviewed... I'm just kidding, Earl. It's that's, fine. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Um, every time I've interviewed, always media-friendly, yeah. always a great interview, always very personable, on the mic, off the mic. So w what was it? Why Why is it taking so long? Why do you think it's like... Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, there's so many answers to that, and I don't know which one's the right one. Um, I mean, look, there were so many close calls uh, throughout the years. I was very first on the radar here in 2004. Uh, the the Million Dollar Tough Enough in Venice Beach, California. I went out there. I was chosen as one of the 50 guys doing that tryout on the beach, the one that uh, the Miz was in, Pewter won, all that mm. stuff. Uh, I actually was chosen as an alternate. So they chose eight guys for the shows and two alternates. I was one of those alternates. So I'm riding back on the shuttle. Um, uh, John Laurinaitis gave me his uh, gave me his card, and I'm just I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, I mean, there seems like there's some interest here, but I didn't know what to do with that card. So I just held onto that card for the next two, three years and did nothing with it because I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to ask for a job. I just figured, well, they know me. They'll call me if they want me. Stupid. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a 21, 22-year-old kid at this point in time. So, like, what do I know? And so the one thing that kind of drove me then was honestly a little bit of jealousy. Uh, I, I was in the same company as John Moxley. We had trained together. We came up, and I saw that he had just recently had a dark match. And I said, my God. I said, I need to get one now. And so then I went on this relentless tear of just like I was sending them tapes and whatever kind of paperwork, resume, something. And then once I knew like, okay, well, it's been about 10 days since I sent the tape. Now I'm going to call. And I would call talent relations. I would say, 
almost every hour on the hour from 9 to 5 until I got a pickup. And finally, I got a response. Somebody picked up. Hey, I know you guys are going to be in Columbus, Ohio. I was living in Cincinnati at the time. Uh, I'd love to come up and be an extra at Raw. Okay, yeah, great. Okay, yeah, come on up. I come up to Raw. Uh, I end up doing a match with the big show with John Moxley. We both have that can that that uh, that that handicap match, and this is 2006. Big show's putting us over. You know, oh, you guys are really good at it. I'm thinking, okay, cool. We're on the radar now. They're gonna, they're definitely gonna scoop us up. And again, I didn't know how to ask for the job. So I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. No call ever comes through. So now it's just like the next few years I spend it every time. I'm just like, well, I'm just going to call them and see if I can be extra talent again. Never, never minding the fact that I could just call them and be like, hey, guys, what do you need for me to get a job? How do I get a job there? How do I become part of this as opposed to just can I come in and be an extra? Because in my mind, I didn't want to impose too much. Wasn't there anybody, though, with all that you were doing, and all the people that you were working with, wasn't there anybody that kind of had your back and said, well, this is the right way? No. To do- no. Who? Who? I mean, who would have? Uh, like, I, I didn't know anybody on the inside. Um, I, I, of the guys that I knew who trained me and stuff like that, I mean, were there people who... Les Thatcher was... Um, he originally owned the company that I started at, Heartland Wrestling Association. But by the time I had started training there, he was kind of phasing himself out. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't really there or, or as accessible. Now, I guess he was kind of tied in, but I don't know what his exact relationship was with WWE or anything at the time. Uh, his trainer under him was Cody Hawk, um, and I don't know that he had much of a relationship either with WWE. So at that point, it was kind of, I'm on my own. Let me figure this thing out. And I didn't really have a model of how to do it. I didn't have anybody really to go to to ask, hey, what should I do? How should I do this? It wasn't until I was coming up on 30 and, and I'm just in this mind. Because, okay, so 2008, they were about to hire me. Like, I, I went to a tryout. Uh, I'm sorry, not a tryout. I was dark match. Uh, it was me and Snitsky against Crime Time. And it was, uh, this was ECW. It was like November or December of like 2008. Uh, they grabbed me, they're like, hey, that, that was really good. We want to bring you back next week. Can you come to Philadelphia? Can you come to Providence, Rhode Island, or, or wherever it was, Bridgeport? I said, absolutely. First, I got to go back and work my Applebee's job for a week and get some money. But yeah, I'll do that and I'll go, sure. Yeah. So I do that. I get there. I showed up an hour late to Bridgeport. They didn't talk to me for three years. Wow. So I couldn't get a phone call. I couldn't get an answer, nothing, until the regime finally changed for talent relations. And then I got my in, and that's when I got my tryout. But at that point, it was like I finally knew that I need to start asking. I, I, it was different books and things that I was reading that kind of gave me a little bit of a mindset shift and also the, the um, urgency of I don't know how people are going to start looking at, the, at my age. And I'm saying this 10 years ago, and now here we are. But, but, you know, I'm looking at that urgency of like, man, this might not be very attractive to them in a couple of years. I need to – I got to just pull out all the stops. Yeah. I need to ask for what I want finally. Um, and so finally that's what I did. That's how I got in the first time. We know how that went. Uh, it went very well, except for the issues between myself and the head coach at the time, which ended up me out of there. Um, and then, you know, going around to different places around the world, around the country. And, um, here we are. (laughs) So it, it was just a matter of me not knowing how to ask for what I wanted. And when I finally figured that out, then it was like I was able to open doors. But I never had any help. I never had any model. I never had anybody on the inside who was just like, oh, yeah, let me, let me talk it up for you. All right, so here you are. Strike while the iron's hot, I always say, right? You got to. Crowd's hot for you. Are you kind of like now, like, hello, like, 
look at this. Look what I'm able to do. What can we do now? Sure. Sure. I've been like that for months, honestly. Like, I, I can remember the first night that it kind of it kind of hit me. We were in D.C. Seamus and Drew were in the ring, and uh, they were having an argument, whatever. That music hit. And then all of a sudden, there was a big reaction. And I was like, okay, that was that's different. And I remember just thinking, well, I'm, I'm from an hour up the road here. Maybe enough of them know that that's what it was. That maybe that's why they reacted like this. And uh, then the next week, we were in Pittsburgh. Same thing. Then we were at MSG for... Uh, 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 what was it? A house show. Same thing. It's like, okay, wait a minute. This is this is starting to go, and it built and built. Then we get to LA for WrestleMania. It, it's crazy. That's Mac. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just continued to build from there. You see Saudi Arabia. They're chanting my name right at Hunter's face. Um, uh, London. The T-shirts, everything. man. man. Like, like everywhere is LA night T-shirt. Yeah, and 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 thankfully now because apparently I was number one. Overall merch seller for uh, for July, which is crazy, awesome. especially when you consider the numbers. Like when you look at the guys that I'm up there uh, rubbing elbows with right now, they've Roman got like Cody. they've got over 150 pieces of merchandise. I have 15, 15 comparatively, and somehow I'm up there. Which I mean, that, I think that speaks volumes. That's insanity. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, listen, I think it's well deserved. You've worked. Thank you. Like you know, actually. You've earned this. You've earned this. This t- for this to happen, to be in Madison Square Garden and have a sold-out crowd chant your name, uh, to be in front of a crowd like what we're going to see this weekend yeah. at SummerSlam. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, this is going to be it's going to be awesome. But you've earned this. You've earned this opportunity, and you've earned the right to to call yourself the hottest pro wrestler or the hottest sports entertainer right now. Man, it's been a hell of a run. I I still can't ever rest on that. I still can't really take a moment to celebrate because it's still just still trying to push through and still trying to get there. So even though those things are happening, it's just like, man, I'm still just full of that piss and vinegar where it's like I got (laughs) to – I just can't can't settle. But Because I guess, you know, there's got to be that angst, that little anger like – why did it take this long? Yeah. I haven't oh changed. My God. Every I've, day. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you can use that and make sure that uh, you This is the same stuff I was saying 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I ready-made, ready-made for TV, ready-made to do this. Uh, and, 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 you know, again, I, I don't want to say that with sounding like a, an arrogant shithead, but it's like, <laughs> it's just like, look, man, I, I had something, uh, and, and here we are now, and it's showing. Um even though doesn't matter, but here we are. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere. I'm not going to go there. Uh, it, it, but but here we are, and, and it's all paying off, and it's all uh, it, it's all getting that reaction that, in a weird way, I always thought it would. When I first came back in 2021, I said to them, I, I said, "Look, I said, here's the deal. I said, if you feel like I'm not getting over after three months, get me out of there." That's how confident I was that in just a short amount of time, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. I, I know how to do this. Um, I've been around a, a, a long enough to make that happen. Um, and, you know, I, I, I had a little more help at NXT, at least as far as billing and the way I was uh, kind of used and whatnot. It, it's been a little bit more of a struggle up here, but somehow, some way, uh, here we are. Last thing, <laughs> and like I said, you earned it. And I, I you know... I think everybody can relate to when people don't look at you the way that you think that you should be looked at. Do you have like that short list of people that you would just love to pick up the phone and be like, are you hearing this? Do you see what I'm doing? I told you. 
click. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, look, even if we go back to the, the very first time I signed, there were a couple people who, like, uh, back in 2013, where, you know, for years and years, it was always like, oh, you got to get a real job. And, you, you know, when are you going to give this wrestling thing up and get a real job? And when I signed that contract the first time, that's where I, I called some people where it was kind of like, aren't you proud of me? But at the same time, it was like, ah, yeah, yeah, I, I told you. you. You can stick this one right up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the time. You're a busy man. You're in demand. And uh, it's been crazy lately. I'm sure it's been. Yeah. And being on TV every single week, I'm sure everywhere you go, there's people that recognize you, people that know you, people that ask for pictures. It's ask been for picking up for sure. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate taking the time to talk to us today. For sure. I, I love coming on. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Genti Ashenti here, host of Sticks and Stacks, the podcast that brings you the very best action from the world of hockey and baseball. Each week, myself, Sean Drotar, and Nate Lundy will bring you our best picks and talk you through the props, bets, and fantasy advice that can help you become the best fantasy manager in your league or even just help you win some money. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. I had you on the show on Zoom, but it's different here. There's no Star Wars to argue about behind me. No, there's no Star Wars. Let's just not get into that because this is a friendly atmosphere. We don't want to do that. (laughs) Within range of me today. Yeah, I'm not not fucking with that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we just heard Detroit Rock City coming back from break because Sam and I gave our producers back in New York City a little bit of grief. because Guff. We get guff. guff. A little bit of guff. Guff. It was guff. A little bit of guff because they're playing New York bands and it's like, we're hello, we're in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detroit Rock City is the best song to come back with. And you are the best guest to have on. We've talked a lot about you on Busted Open because of what's going on with you and Rhonda. And I have to say, and Sam, I'm sure you agree, that video package Uh. on Monday Night Raw Ah. phenomenal i mean you talk about emotional connection getting emotional you talk about realism you talk about to get people invested in a story you guys did all of that in that two-minute package on monday night raw it was um it's it's been interesting and we've talked before about like me and Rhonda's promos and how uh we don't do like promo voice we do like very natural answer interview questions and uh to some fans that resonates and some don't really like it they're used to hearing promo voice but i think putting us in a setting where we're set up to really showcase and succeed at that very natural way to tell our story 
uh, it resonated with everyone, it seems like. So, well, yeah, that's that's the key, right? Is like the story because people go, I get that there's history, but what's the story here? And it's like, boom, here's exactly what the story is. And now everybody gets on board. And like, I think for the women's division in general, people, uh, I think, talk about, oh, should there be a secondary title? Should there be this? Should there be that? And for me, I've always been a strong advocate that like there should just be more stories. There should be a lot more stories involving the women's division that don't involve a championship, just a personal rivalry that needs to be settled because that's not, that's not, you just don't see it yeah. as often as you should in the women's division. I feel like you guys have, have, have got a, a really, really major one. That's like right under our noses years in the making. Yeah. And I think it's cool too, because we've, purposely and it's been a lot of discussion another thing that fans either like or don't like which is i guess everything in the world but whatever yeah. um but we've purposely made it not be this kind of clear-cut black and white baby face heel thing where it's been like when you tune into boxing or the ufc you're not like they haven't told me who the bad guy is who am i supposed to cheer for you kind of just cheer for who you like and we've on purpose made it be like both of us are right here and you know people like me because they hate Rhonda so we've maybe played off that a little bit but like this is just like a fight you're gonna cheer for who you like it's not like we're not spoon feeding to you good guy bad guy you know we don't need to do that in this we're making this if we, we sat down at the beginning of this and said if we want to make this as real as we can make it what do we have to do well let's not be hokey about this black and white um heel baby face thing let's just let people cheer for who they want to cheer it, as long as they're making noise you know what i mean and it's 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 uh it's been really fun to see the discussion on like people don't really know but they want me to win or they want or they think i'm the terrible my nieces are not on my side <laughs> um because they you know they agree with Rhonda, and that's fine as long as they're invested and that's the thing is that but that's also part um, of part of making the fight feel real is that the context to get to the fight has to also feel real. And yeah. in life, you don't always have like, well, that's the dastardly villain. Right. And that's the absolutely great hero. And then by the way, that exists elsewhere on the show, which is perfect mm -hmm. because then we can get to your thing. And it's almost like you guys exist on an Island where it's just these two dangerous forces. Yeah. Don't like each other. And that's, and that's, you know, not, and again, I, I should reiterate, I'm not saying that, it has to be this way. And I'm not saying it's bad that there's a heel and a baby face. We're, we're all storytellers at the end of the day. And throughout the beginning of humankind, there's good versus evil, but real life happens. And it's like, you know, there's not necessarily a good guy. Like I said, you tune into, you know, last weekend was like Gaethje and Poirier and you weren't like, who's the bad guy? Who am I supposed to cheer for? You kind of just cheer for who you like. You like them both. You wanted a good fight. Yeah. And, and and I hope that's what people really get out of this is it's like you cheer for who you cheer or at least watch because you hope it's a good fight. I always talk about you bringing credibility to the world of the WWE. Now you're bringing credibility and realism. And those are the two of the beautiful aspects of the art form that's pro wrestling. You're right. You could show that video package to 10 people. Five people would say. I'm on Rhonda's side and five people would say they aren't, they're on your side. Like when you were cutting that and you were getting ready for that video package, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of real emotion in that as well, because there is that real relationship 
between you and Ronda. Things do get real. And that's, and at the end of the day, that is when pro wrestling is at its best, isn't it? Mm -hmm, for sure. Uh, because more than anything, whether they're good fans or bad fans, fans can smell when you're faking the funk. And I think the less you can fake the funk, the more people are going to watch. And, you know, we, we say things like work yourself into a shoot, but the people that are like, like, like I just talked about, people are like, what the heck? I don't know who to cheer for. Who's supposed to be the, this is so crazy. I don't even know who the baby fan. Well, I mean, that's the point. And you're, and we yep. design by design, we did that to you. Um, and I don't know. It's just, it's, um, I think it's a cool place because it's a place where both familiar with being like in a fight, um, doing interviews for a fight. Uh, it's funny actually, because I was like way more pro wrestling in my MMA days than I am <laughs> as a pro wrestler, but, um, it's very easy for us because it's a familiar place for us to be. So it's easy for us to get into that mindset of like, this is real. And I think it's also like to that point, the fact that you're bringing up like stuff outside the WWE, the fact that the ultimate fighter is coming up, like the fact that all this stuff is a part of it makes it go, oh, this is we're not this isn't some like as, based on a true story. This is the true story. Is this something that you and Rhonda wanted to do on some level from the beginning, from the time she got here, will eventually get to this great place? Or is this something that that? I mean, to as an inevitability. This is um. <laughs> so when I first moved in with Rhonda, so uh, I was living in South Dakota, and um, like a, a bunch, like the world ended for me. Like I broke my ankle and missed my UFC debut. I wasn't on the Ultimate Fighter finale because I I broke my ankle. I was going through a breakup, which now seems silly to me. But like this whole, you know, your life is over. And Rhonda flies me out to California and I land and I text and I say, Hey, just landed. And she says, got you now, bitch. You're never leaving. Um, and the truth is my, I was supposed to stay two weeks. My flight got canceled because of snow in South Dakota. And I just never went back home. And, um, I remember, uh, after one of Rhonda's fights, we go around the table and toasting these. And I've told this story before. Um, but, the Armenians do these like long-winded toasts every, every drink, right? It's, <laughs> it's funny, but um, it got to be my turn around the table. And I was like, Hey, Rhonda, you like saved my career basically. Um, so the only way I can thank you for that is to like work my ass off and give you the fight that you deserve. You know, at the time Rhonda's beating everyone in like a minute at the time, we think that means, we're both going to clear out the division. It's going to be me and her for the title one day. And it's like, it's funny to think now that maybe this is the manifestation of that. Wow. Um, and that's a real story. And all of these stories have been real. The story Rhonda told about the last minute of the last round on the ultimate fighter and me, and we're grappling. Oh, Hey, it looks like I made it the whole season without you arm barring me. And she arm barred me. Like I'm not joking six or seven times. That's a real story. Like the stuff we've told is all real. Um, and again, that's been, it, you can feel it, you know what I mean? And that's not to say that anything else is worse or bad or whatever, but this is what works for us because it's where we're familiar and we can bring this in a way that maybe other people can't. Hey everyone, Jen Piacenti here, host of Sticks and Stacks, the podcast that brings you the very best action from the world of hockey and baseball. 
Each week, myself, Sean Drotar, and Nate Lundy will bring you our best picks and talk you through the props, bets, and fantasy advice that can help you become the best fantasy manager in your league or even just help you win some money. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. He looks like a champion. He wrestles like a champion. He performs like a champion. And that is why he is your intercontinental champion. And thank you so much for the time. I know it's a busy day for you. And uh, it it does look natural having that intercontinental championship around your waist. It's been glued to him for yeah, forever. Well, I, know, you know, I mean, and now you're getting it. And I, I'm glad you brought that up, Sam, because now you're very close to having the longest run as intercontinental champion when you look at the history of that championship title and what you've been able to do that's a pretty pretty great accomplishment um yeah it definitely is right um when i think about my younger self when i started out training and stuff like that all the things that happened in the last years are like i don't know unimaginable really right um but yeah it's been a great ride um i'm in the midst of it so it's like hard to judge it like you mentioned it where it's like a a great accomplishment that's a great that's a great accomplishment because i'm so focused on what i'm doing and keeping that high level up if that makes sense um so i guess the real enjoyment of those accomplishments they are going to come once i have more time again and i can well yeah sit back and maybe re rewatch it and enjoy it what's it like for you who like you're this performer who most of your talking most of your explanation happens in the ring bell to bell like that's where the story is told yeah and historically wwe is a place where a lot of that is done on microphones a lot of that is done before you kind of have to almost condition this fan base to go nope all the attention happens bell to bell yeah and you've succeeded at it is that uh something that you gave credence to before you got to the main roster or did you just figure this this will come naturally um i think it's because so when i started out obviously you watch WWE when you're young and stuff like that and when i started out training um my coach was still like um he wrestles under auto one still in in vienna at the tournament so his coaching was mostly just here's this hold here's that hold and it was all of that here's that strike didn't hit the ropes for the first six months or something like that. It was all second thought. First of all, we have to get the basics down and stuff like that. And I enjoyed it. I think for me, that would make sense. And when I, and then I saw everybody on the events we did, everybody was kind of like trying to be like a WWE wrestler. And in German, that translates awfully. I can tell you that. Really? The German language is not made to be loud and shout out and be a little bit cheesy sometimes if that makes sense so it was like i gotta do something different and then i was interested in japanese wrestling and i was like okay that's more sports-based like in europe people are like they like sports more than too much entertainment so i try to focus on that and i enjoyed it and i studied it a lot and i was a try okay i want to tell a story from when the bell rings to the finish and try to be as good and like as good at it as possible and yeah I recently made um, a comparison to you with another performer that's up there was one of the greatest of all time. And that's Randy Orton. And the Mm -hmm. reason I made the comparison was because of this. When Randy Orton is in the ring, everything he does has purpose. There's meaning behind everything he does. It's the same thing with you. Obviously, in the world of the WWE, we see a lot of wrestlers give chops. 
when you give a chop, sir, it's a lot different than we normally see. There's meaning behind it. It's like everything you do is with the purpose of winning the match. Yeah. And I and I know that sounds crazy, but it's it's different than what we're normally see in the world of sports entertainment. Uh, it is. I mean, thank you for that comparison. I think Randy's one of the best ever. Um, so it's very charming. Um, but I think it is. I think that's right. It's how you use the things you do. That's the most important thing. I think a lot of wrestlers think about it too much as like, I got to do this spectacular stuff or this crazy maneuver to impress everybody's like a regular strike won't get you that reaction or something like that. But if you treat it like that from the beginning and if you don't present it in a way that it's as important, it's never going to be perceived. That mm -hmm. And we saw some guys like it, I always thought if you think back, like Santino Morella got a his hand in his sock over it. It was a deadly weapon back yeah. then, right? Yes. He just used it like that. So, and I think that goes with a lot of things uh, in wrestling. If you look at a Sami Zayn's match with the Jackass crew, right? He just used whatever the Jackass crew had to offer. He just treated it as like, okay, that's their offense. And is that if, that if that makes sense, right? Yes, it does. And I think that was one of my favorite matches of that year's WrestleMania. I thought it was, it was very entertaining. It was so entertaining. Yeah. Do you do you think that sometimes like somewhere not now is not the time for it, but do you go, okay, down the road as as Gunther as an entity continues to evolve, there is going to be a place for Gunther in a jackass style match there or yeah. is that something that you kind of see yourself staying away from I mean we'll, we'll see what the future brings I had right. a few odd occasions where I did something in my career that was a little bit out of this serious competitive wrestling stuff and it usually worked really well I think a good example like if it's done the right way there's a place and time for almost everything in wrestling if you look at uh, like DDT in Japan mm -hmm. the promotion is a good example they have all that goofy stuff happening throughout the show, and then the finish of the show is a super serious world championship match, and everybody treats it that way because it's, yeah, it's just different styles and it's different forms of entertainment, really. And that's the beauty of, of pro wrestling. Sam and I doing this show together today, the way that I grew up loving the sport is completely different than the way Sam grew up and watched. Like, I, I think it's fair in saying you're more of the sports entertainment sure. side and i'm more of like the old school territory you know japan style of pro wrestling but both of us together admire what you're doing and understand what you're doing and i think it shows with the intercontinental championship like you know they always say that the championship can make a performer or the performer can make the championship i think you're a great example of you have been able to perceive and look at this championship in a completely different way. That's got to make you proud that now with that championship attached to you, that people look at that intercontinental championship differently. Oh, it makes me very proud. Um, and that it is the same with the NXT UK title before it was something where, okay, when I, I'm able to win the title, I'm going to make it the best run I can possibly make it. And the ones, like you said, I believe in that. Like the title doesn't make the man; it's the the man that makes the title. Um, I really believe in that, and yeah, and obviously it makes me very proud because, like I said, when I was a child, I watched Sean and Brett and whoever being the Intercontinental Champion. That I would be on some sort of lists or whatever they have going on with the longest reigns and something with those guys. That's absolutely crazy, and I can, and I'm doing it my way. That makes nice. sense. And I'm yes. doing it my way. And that's that's the fact I think that makes me the most proud. That 
I never, I adapted, I learned, I evolved, but I never changed what I think was right for me to do. Um, and I think that makes me proud. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that 100%. I think what puts you on the list with like a Sean and a Brett is not just the length of the reign, but also a consistency. Like a Shawn Michaels match, it's always going to be a Shawn Michaels match. There are no nights off. A Brett match is always going to be a Brett match. Two totally different yeah. things. No nights off. Gunther is always going to give you a Gunther match, which to me is nuts. Because, I mean, you brought up the NXT UK title run, and it's like you can go back and think about, like, I mean, the match with Ilya is, like, still, I think, one that is is in people's heads. But since then, every single time, you can go to Raw this week with with yeah. gable and like you're having these knockdown drag out matches every single time you go up to bat is there ever a point where you're like oh my god i hope i get a couple weeks off after that one or are um, you ready to just get back in i mean i have to get back in obviously sometimes when some things rack up you get like a little bit could do it a break fatigue um fatigue yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that's just part of it there's nothing to complain about i think that's the deal when you get into the sport and you want to do it um and for me it was always important i always wanted to be the guy when i'm when i walk to the ring people go like oh shit now it's now yep, it's on it's now, on. It's, on. now yep. it's real yes. <laughs> yeah and, and sam just mentioned like a gunther match it's it's funny when i knew you as walter and they changed the name i was i was so angry when that happened i was like of course you were you were one of those guys i was you, i you was, were one of those i guys. was one yeah. of those guys <laughs> but then it's amazing as time yeah of course has gone on walter who like you know you have taken you took that name which is difficult to do when you have an audience that recognize you by this label and then they completely change it. it's like all right now i have to almost start from scratch and now you have done such great things that that is completely in the past and they, they know you by this name. Yeah, it's been, the transition has been quite smooth, I gotta say. And at the end of the day, it's not that much of a change. It was just the name. The rest yes. of the person didn't really change. My coat had a different color, <laughs> which was a good step. I always wanted to stick with black, just basic, but uh, different colors now, I enjoyed it too. It looks good on me, I think. But um, that was some action figures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true as well. Um, but otherwise, it wasn't that much of a of a of a of a big change. But I always like get that when people are used to something, change often doesn't get perceived very positively. Um, at the end, like I said, it wasn't it, it wasn't that much. And yeah, I'm glad I did it because at the end of the day, Gunter has made me more money than Walter ever did before. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I cannot be sad about it. What is that like? I mean, because you talked about like being a fan growing up and 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 comparing yourself to some of these people that that you watched. When you, because you're such a serious person on television and in the ring, do you like flip out when when the when the Gunther action figure comes out and you're looking at yourself and you're like, oh, there there I am, or are you, or is that not your thing? Um, no, I don't really flip out. I usually make sure once they get aired, I order a package for my parents mm -hmm. or for the family at home. So Let them flip out. Sometimes <laughs> it's, a, it's a way bigger deal for them than how it feels for me in sure. the moment. Sure. If that if that makes sense. But obviously, I keep that. Like, I also sometimes when we get a chair and there's a picture on, like those special chairs from the PLEs and stuff, I have them sent to me. But I'm also not a person that puts much stuff up on the wall. And and I think that there is this fascination with you because again, the presentation is so serious that when when we get even a little a little glimpse of what you might be like behind the camera, when there's a glimpse of Gunther dancing, 
it's everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it's a surprise then, but there's obviously a different side to there's the profession, mm -hmm. like the professional person that is me, and obviously there's the private person that is me, and sometimes I think they don't have that much in common. Um, but I think that's a healthy balance. I think. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much I enjoy it. It doesn't matter how much it means to me. It is my profession. And we all got to have a different side of life that has nothing to do with that. And I try, I really try to not build or identify myself in life in general up through who I am in the ring. Because that's going to end. It's very healthy. Yeah. yeah, because a person is more than just what they do for a living. There's so yes. many facets of who they are. Yes. And that's and you have to be balanced. And it sounds like you are. This has been a whirlwind for you this last year inside the ring, outside the ring. You're somebody now that's going to be recognized walking down the street. You're some like, you know, today, for example, so many people want to interview you, talk to you. How has that transition been for you? Um, that's that, that's the one part. Obviously. It gives you a little bit of a, uh, not a buzz, but it's like, oh, all those people know you. Like, what the hell is going on? But it, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. But on the other hand, that's nothing I ever wanted to achieve. Like, being famous is something I'm zero interested in. Yeah. It's like, I never wanted it. Go somewhere. It's like, oh, it's that guy and blah, 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 blah. But it's uh, part of it, obviously, because especially in, on the main roster, we're on TV every week. Um, You're superstars. I love. Yeah, we superstar. are. We are superstars. Yeah. I, I really don't like to say that about myself. I gotta, I gotta be honest. But uh, we are at the end of the day. We're in the public eye, and yeah, that's uh, part of the job. Yeah. Do you when and let's just use this weekend as an example. Is there points like in a match or before a match where you look around and you see a stadium full of people and you kind of like take in the moment and enjoy the moment? Um, yeah, when I can, I'll try to get like a sneak peek and see how the venue looks full before I go out. Um, but I try to be very focused. At the end of the day, and it might sound super numb, I'm playing it down. That's not what I want to do. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if there's 50 people or a stadium. What I have to do to do my job doesn't change. Still the same. I still got to, if, if that makes sense for Absolutely. you Absolutely. Um, so I try to not get carried away by other things. Obviously, the reception in like a big stadium is something completely different than in like a, a regular venue. That kind of energy you don't really feel maybe once or twice a year when you get the chance to be on the events we do that are in a stadium. Um, and that's a very, that, that's a very special feeling. Um, but on the other hand, I had so many great memories where it was a room like this and it was totally packed and there was just a ring in the middle yeah. and it fulfilled my passion as much, if that makes sense. I think it's just the overall experience because let's say WrestleMania, uh, I had my parents there, my wife was there, uh, close friends were there that I know since I started. And that's the thing that gives me more, I think is like seeing how they perceive it, how, what it means for them to like my parents to come out there in Los Angeles and see me doing all of that. Um, and them still remembering how I was like a, a young chubby kid going, well, I'm going to be a wrestler. You will see blah, blah, blah. After I, whatever, get dropped out of school and didn't, didn't start apprenticeships and never finished it because I always wanted to wrestle. That's something that's, that's beautiful to me. That's a big achievement. If that makes sense. Or 
Yeah. When does the focus start for you? Like when, like you said, you got to be focused on the task at hand, not not worried about everything going on. And I think that's really obvious when you watch uh, what you do in the ring. Yeah. How early in the day does that kind of change start to happen mentally? Is it right before you go out there or is it earlier? Um, I think I'm just, I can just go. Just it's, go. Like, it's fine. I, I don't need to, I don't listen to music before. I don't, I stretch a bit. I do my squats. I do my push-ups. I warm up a neck or something like that. And then when it's go time, it's go time. I'm excited. I want to win that match. And I kind of, that's the thing I switch. I, lit I literally switch in that mode. I, I want to win that match because that's how I want to act in the ring. I want right. to work towards the goal. And that is stay on the guy until he stays down. Right. That's all I, that's all, that's all that matters for me. The moment with the audience, if it's there sporadically and I react to it or not, that's, I decided out there. That's never a focus before. I just want to go out there and go like, okay, I gotta, gotta beat that guy. Now. He's got to lay down for three seconds. That's, that's it. it. That's or, it. <laughs> or, or pass out or tap or whatever. That's but we'll see if that happens again Saturday at SummerSlam, the Intercontinental Champion. Thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. Thank you guys. All My right. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.